Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 8. Peace and hope. Therefore, since we have justified through faith, we have a peace with God. Our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not push, put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. The second reading is from John chapter 4, verses 4 to 14. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with me, nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Thanks, Olivia. Thanks, John. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We just pray, Lord, that you'll open our hearts to receive your message. In Jesus' name. Amen. think I must have heard the story of the Samaritan woman many, many times. And yet, I'm not going to lie to you, when it came up that that was the reading for the day, I'm thinking, what's so special about this story? What is it all about? And as I read through it, more and more of the story gave me more and more to be excited about. 
You probably all know that the Jews and the Samaritans were not friends, right? I don't know how many of you know the real reason why they weren't friends or one of the reasons why they weren't friends. So a little bit of a, a history lesson. The northern kingdom, with its capital at Samaria, had fallen to the Assyrians. Many Jews were deported to Assyria and foreigners were brought in to settle the land and help keep the peace. Now that comes from 2 Kings chapter 17. Right? The intermarriage between these foreigners and the remaining Jews resulted in a mixed race, impure in the opinion of the Jews, who lived in the southern region. The Jews hated this race. It was called, obviously, the Samaritans. The Samaritans also worshipped God in a slightly different way. They had their own centre of worship, which wasn't in Jerusalem. It was on a mount, Mount Gerizim. The Jews did everything they could to avoid going through Samaria. Everything they could. But Jesus is not an ordinary man. And he had no reason to live by the cultural rules that everybody else lives by. He'd come to cross barriers. He'd come to reach people. In our reading, Jesus had been in Judea. Many people were being baptised, but it wasn't Jesus doing the baptism. It was the disciples. However, the Pharisees had got the wrong end of that. They just saw that more and more people were coming to Jesus. So they were getting really, really angry. And in getting angry, they were going to do something about it. So Jesus, because it wasn't quite his time, he decided he was going to move. So he moved from Judea and he's going to Galilee. But as he's doing that, there's a long way and there's a short way. And the short way went through Samaria. So that's the way he went. And he deliberately did that. And you can imagine that the disciples wouldn't be ecstatic about that, not even remotely pleased about that. But they're with Jesus. And that was enough. So Jesus goes to Samaria. And he stops at a well. Not just any well, a well that used to belong to Jacob. A well that's probably outside the city. Not a spring well where the fresh water comes in, but one where the water comes in from rainfall or from dew and seeps into the bottom of the well. Normally, the women came to the well twice a day, beginning at the end, and they would come and get water. Now, this woman came on her own. She came on her own because the people in her village knew who she was. They knew of her reputation. They knew of what she'd said and knew what she was doing. But she came on her own. Now Jesus had come to meet this woman. There was a plan. There is always a plan. For Jesus to speak to her breaks so many taboos, it's unreal. Jewish men didn't talk to women, not in the street. Jewish people didn't talk to Samaritans, full stop. So in doing the conversation or having the conversation with this woman, Jesus has gone across two barriers. 
He's gone across a sexist barrier and he's gone across a race barrier. And he's done it like that. I don't know whether you realised that before, but that was like light bulb in my head. I thought, whoa, this is quite good. The conversation carries on and it carries on along the lines of comparing water from the well with the living water that Jesus can provide. So Jesus talks, or the lady talks about, woman talks about, how do I get the water from the well? I'd have to keep putting my, your bucket down. You haven't got a bucket, so where's this living water coming from? And Jesus was trying to get the message across that I don't need a bucket. I'm giving you living water that will live in you forever and could well up into eternal life. There's a similarity here between deeds and faith. The deed of filling the bucket, continually, continually, continually filling the bucket, or the faith of receiving the living water once. There are comparisons in this story in different blocks. Can we have a look from verse 10? Is that possible? So you've seen the story as it's developed. You saw it in the cartoon. You've heard it in the, reason, in the reading. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman didn't understand that. Sir, you have nothing to... If you move on. Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also the sons and the livestock? Jesus answered... Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. That is a fabulous gift. It's a gift that is free and to everybody. How do we know that free gift is to everybody? Look who he's given it to. He has crossed barriers to give that gift to somebody who there is no chance that the Jews would have given it to. That message is for everybody. That message is important. That message is for all of us to understand. It is for everyone. But then this gets even cleverer. And I haven't twigged this, but then I read my Bible notes, which I'm very good at reading my Bible notes after the event. And I read my Bible notes, and my Bible notes basically said, this is a classic example of personal witness of how you should act and talk to people when you're sharing the faith. Jesus is giving us an example of how to share our faith with strange people as we meet them. He's given us the perfect teaching on personal evangelism. Step one, he was concerned about the woman. We are called on by Jesus to witness to and to be concerned for all those who do not know him. Jesus was concerned about the woman. We need to be concerned about the people that we talk to. 
the people that we see in the street, the people that we get to know. We need to care for them. Jesus tried to understand, well not tried to understand because Jesus understood the woman's needs. He understood her desires. We have to do something similar to that. We can't just go into into somebody's house and start spouting at people that you need God because they won't listen to that. You have to meet them where they're at. You have to talk to them about where they are. You have to listen to them. You have to get to know them. Only when you know somebody can you share with somebody. Because if you don't, they won't listen. It'll just wash away. You get to know somebody, you begin to be able to talk to them, you begin to open up to them. And then you can direct them. You can point them at their spiritual need. You can tell them where the gap is in their life. And you can point them at it. And you can open that door, that chink that lets Jesus in. Don't get me wrong here. You're not doing anything. Jesus will have prepared the soil. And Jesus will be the one opening the doors. But you're just being the person that God wants you to be. You need to show the next step, which is probably more difficult. And certainly takes time to get to know is to show the person where their sin is and that what they need to do about it. Because a step on personal witness is forgiveness. Acknowledging where you are before God. And then accepting Jesus. Then accepting Jesus. You saw at the end of the cartoon after the reading you saw that this woman was so excited by the message that she'd been given so excited that all she wanted to do was to run into the town to share it with her friends to share it with the town don't forget me wrong here nobody had she had no friends in that town but she still wanted to go and share it to them and they listened amazing story or what Hearing the good news of Jesus and the way it changes people's lives is an amazing story. There are so many things to learn from this lesson. So many things to learn from this reading. Is there something in it, though, that you could take hold of? Something in it that you could get from from it that would give you confidence to go and talk to people in the street or to go and talk to people that you know And say the right things. The one thing that we know now and have known for some time is that Jesus is not a secret. And it's on us to share him with everybody. We cannot keep this secret. It is good news and it is for all. We must be prepared to share the good news at any time and in any place and with anybody. Jesus crossed all barriers to share the good news and we who follow him must do no less. Can we change the order and put that clip on now or is it, does it need to come after the song? In previous services, I've, I've used some clips by the Mullin family. I don't know whether you remember them, the 
series of group of children who've been adopted, right? It's amazing how you can find a clip that perfectly fits in with the service and with a the theme. Please. While going from point A to point C, Jesus decided to pass through point B. This one teeny weeny little plum. Yeah, point B was called Samaria. Ooh, that's bad. Yep. Huge problem. Big no-go zone. The line that shall not be crossed. Everyone who was anyone knew Samaritans were bad. They talked different and they're just funny. Even worse, they worship God wrong. This was highly unacceptable. Anyway, Jesus found a rest stop. Night bike. Jacob 12. A lady came to get some water. She was a Samaritan. Oh no! Oh yeah! The line that shall not be crossed. Maybe so, but he sure crossed it. This had the crawfish chaser with. Could you give me a drink, please? But we're not the same. Why do you want my help? If you knew who I was, you'll ask for my living water. You don't even have a bucket. You can't get water. Drink yours, be slaked a while. Drink mine, be slaked forever. Okay, it's a deal. Fill me up. The conversation went on a bit. And the lady realized Jesus knew her heart. She finally said she's been hoping for the Messiah. And Jesus said, hey, that's me. The woman called her friends to come. And the disciples brought Jesus lunch. Jesus wanted them to see the harvest. So he told them, I have living food that you never even tasted. But they just thought somebody else had already brought him lunch. They were a little slow on the uptake sometimes. Yeah, really slow. Jesus stayed there a couple days, teaching them loving and crossing all kinds of lines. And many Samaritans believed in him. Jesus. The Messiah. The Savior. And so, dear friends, in this crazy world we all share, there are lots of lines. Really a lot. And it's easy to hide behind those lines. And it's easy to conclude that the lines should not be crossed. But we got some good news for you. Jesus crossed all kinds of lines. Yeah, he just crossed them out. So that line that shall not be crossed, it shall be crossed. And that's how we're called to love each day. So even people like you and people like me can think living water. So head for point B on the way to point C. And step off at the well. Meet some new people. And offer them a life-changing dream. The, the line shall be crossed. <laughs> <laughs> the line shall be crossed. See somebody in the street who you wouldn't go up and talk to him normally. The line shall be crossed. Just remember that. It's up to us to cross it. It's up to us to share our faith. It's up to us to be that confident. We're here for a reason. Cross the line. Amen.